2: It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan and the big short and money bull author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts.
1: Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts well, welcome to the everything is black and white podcast brought to you in association with Toro. I'm Andrew Musgrove joined here on the touchline by Lee Ryder it's uh, full time another defeat for Newcastle this time 2-0 to Leicester City uh, another one to
0: James's Park Lee mm. what did you make of the game well, I think, you know, from the beginning, Newcastle went into it knowing they had to, to get something positive out of it. Unfortunately, um, when when the chances did come their way, and they did come uh, in the first half, they just weren't able to grasp them. The big one was Hosselu's miss when, you know, he was sort of released in the box. And you're just thinking, when are you going to shoot here? Um, didn't hesitated, got tackled straight away. That was a real chance for me. Diarmé's header as well. And there was a couple of other little moments that, that could have paid off for them. But you know, the longer you leave the door ajar for for the visitors here, um, they'll they'll take the chance. Obviously, they got gift wrapped goal penalty from, Headland's um, handball. Vardy took it away, and then that set the tone for the negativity, really, didn't it? And um, you know, Newcastle weren't able to muster the fight. That's what happens when you haven't got confidence. Um, y- you can't just get that break you need and then Leicester got the second goal and you, we, we may as well have all went home once that went in
1: You talk about confidence there because I mean Joss Liu, he was through here on the left hand side of the box mm. confidence striker opens up his body looks for the for the right top hand quarter mm-hmm. what was what, what going through well, his mind there?
0: Well a quality striker does what you've just said but you know he hasn't got all the attributes that a quality striker generally possesses he's more of a target man um, Newcastle didn't spend the money on a on a striker who can run off um, midfielders, make them runs in the box and and, and dispatch the shot pretty quickly, Um, we've seen some great strikers here down the years Um, Hoslu sadly, he isn't one of them but I'm not going to hammer him too much because his main position is as a target man, Newcastle didn't really put crosses onto his head um, so ultimately he's not going to score, so it's difficult to pin the blame on one player I certainly wouldn't do that Hossloo didn't have a great game today but then nobody really did so it's just disappointing the way the game panned out
1: Did you think, and I mean, this is just my opinion but Hossloo looked defeated from the word go he didn't look confident, he didn't look happy Mm. and of course, I mean, not scoring goals isn't going to help that situation and the the atmosphere and Newcastle being in the relegation zone you know, but so wanting to step up and, and and start putting the ball in the back of the net
0: well there is a lack of leadership around the pitch um, and you know sometimes it's about it's, it, it's a captain's job or another player an influential player's job t- to make sure that everyone's in the right mindset um, you know Hoss demeanour hasn't been great in, in in the last couple of games um, he had a few chances at Crystal Palace last week as well which he, he didn't take um, you know Strikers strive off, off goals and confidence And sadly hasn't got that at the minute And until um, he gets a couple of scruffy goals To knock in them, it's, it's going to be difficult for him
1: But I guess like you say It is about him having that service We didn't see much today mm-hmm. In terms of, of getting the ball in the box to him um, I mean all around the pitch It just, it just looks slightly depressing
0: It does I've just asked Rafa Benitez In his press conference I think you heard I said Is there any positives For you to take from this Uh, And he kind of struggled to answer He said Not really Um, So they go next to Man United Which is is always a tough encounter um, At the best of times Um, Yes Mourinho Is struggling Man United Lost today So You can say There's a chink of light there But really Newcastle have got to Go down there next week and probably set up to get another good solid point, dust themselves down and come back after the um, international break, looking for better results
1: um, Leicester scored two goals, one from a penalty but it, it came from a corner And um, the second goal, high Maguire in the second half a header, again from a corner all mm. through the game they weren't dealing with the set pieces that Leicester were putting across the box, you know how many warning signs, I think before the penalty was given, yeah. it was four or five warning signs where you know they weren't getting rid of the ball. What, what what's happening there? Is that something on the trainer pitch do you think or is it just one of those days where everything wasn't working for them?
0: I just think overall for Newcastle um, really Leicester well drilled outfit and basically today we made it very easy for them to, to do what they needed to do and in that situation sadly it was uh, it was too easy for, for Maguire to get up and score. Kieran Clark got Cost aside, um, the cells wasn't really near. I know they've all got the, 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 the different markers, but nobody, like, you would think Harry Maguire, who had a great World Cup with England, just the sight of him would make make sure you, you prevent him from doing what he did, but it was just too easy for him.
1: And well, I mean, we're waiting here for, for the players to come out of the, the dressing room, and I think Atu's been out. Yeah, uh, Are you expecting anyone else to come out? And I mean, <laughs> by the time we ask this question, someone might come out. But the players, are they up for talking, you think? Do you think they just want to get to home, they want to get their heads down, go back into training either tomorrow
0: or Monday and just, just put this right? Well, you always are. I've covered the team a long time and you're always banking on sort of the usual players to come out and speak. Some of them don't even walk past this area because they don't want to talk at all. Um, We haven't really spoken to John Joe Shelby since his red card against Tottenham last season. Um, So he's obviously still upset about that. And there's just little things like that that are sprinkled around the dressing room that that probably need ironing out. Um, Sadly, with players, they can come out and say whatever they want after games. It's not going to change the result. Um, but it is sometimes good for them to come out and, and relay some, some kind of positive message to the, to the fans. Unfortunately, some fans don't want to hear, hear from them, but really, it's our job to, to get inside what actually went wrong here today from their point of view. We've already said it from our point of view. Now we try and speak to them.
1: Off the pitch, obviously, news broke uh, this afternoon about uh, Kenyon potentially mm-hmm. uh, putting together a bid... Mike Ashley was here today with Keith Bishop and Lee Charnley. It got very toxic very quickly. Um, what do you make of that? Because obviously the fans' frustrations are totally understood. I mean, the press room, in a way, very much share them. They're justified, aren't they?
0: Well, yeah, I would say the the way the fans um, reacted at the day was, was totally fair. It's the first time the home fans have, have had an opportunity to vent the frustration in front of... Um, you know the owner. As long as it's all done in the right spirit, it, it's fine. I think really with with Mike Ashley, he's got to possibly look at the people that he's got around him. Um, are they giving him the best advice? Um, Twenty three million spent this summer clearly wasn't enough. Surely he can see that he knows enough. Surely he knows enough about football to see that that wasn't good enough today. Um, but really, like I've said all the way through, it, it's it's. It's now it's got to come to a point where pals that be open up, take some questions and give it from their point of view rather than, you know, muttering things under the breath they need to come out and, you know, face the music. Um, and just finally, do you
1: think he's starting to sweat a little bit because he's been here this uh, this weekend, he was yeah, last weekend. Yeah. <laughs> no disrespect Newcastle, he didn't look good in either of the matches.
0: No, it's what well, I think what the situation is is that eventually uh, something's gotta give. Um, so either he gives the manager a new contract um, and he gives him some money to spend, or he actually puts his hand up and said, you know, I've had enough here, like, let's give someone else a chance to do it. The price has got to be right. I mean, we've seen the Peter Kenyon stuff today. It's it it's a little a bit of comfort, I suppose, for some people, but until the whole thing is is stood up properly, and we know that there's money to come in. Then you can't get too excited about it. Uh, Newcastle fans are desperate for a change, but really, it, we can't take our eye off the ball on what's happening on the pitch too much because there's points that need to be collected to make sure the club stay in the Premier League first and foremost. It's sad that we're talking about that after last season because when they finished tenth. But unfortunately that's just the way it is at the moment
1: So we're joined here by Chris Woff Who's just going to give us his views on Newcastle United's defeat to Leicester Covered a bit there with Lee Uh, I want to ask you Chris what you thought of the the performance of the defence Do you think they coped well considering the injuries they had?
2: To a certain degree I mean I didn't think any of the defenders were horrendous I thought there were some okay performances in there Kennedy at left back, you could see he isn't a natural left back, but I actually thought positional wise he maintained his discipline. Raphael almost coached him through the first half, but naivety in terms of trying to play out from the back cost him on a few occasions. Yedlin there was quite often an overload on that side with Ben Chilwell overlapping. And I thought Lascelles and Clark in open play were okay. They didn't do anything too badly, but from set pieces, Newcastle just looked vulnerable all game. To a certain extent, that probably was, though, missing Dummett's aerial, uh, aerial ability and also. Fernandes but in general I thought Newcastle just didn't cope well from set pieces and that's something that you look at because
1: really that should be where they're defensively strong because they have been in recent years But is that then an issue with maybe leadership because as I mentioned this to Lee that before Vardy scored the penalty and there'd been three or four Potentially five warning signs when the ball was coming in from corners or crosses, and they weren't they weren't dealing with it. The ball was allowed to come across unless they were looking very threatening in the air.
2: It's a case of everything: it's leadership, it's communication, it's thought process, it's managing your way through the game, it's making sure you do clear the danger rather than just putting it out for another corner, whatever. And I thought that Newcastle reacted slowly for the penalty. Um, it's. Yes, to a certain degree it's harsh because Yedlin's only a yard or two away but he's got his arms up in the air and the reason he had to react like that was because Newcastle allowed Maguire space to be able to turn the box and then get a shot away. So it's it's a combination of a lot of things and I can't say any one factor that Newcastle did well today. I thought they were outplayed in every single element and that is what's so concerned. It reminded me of the Watford game last year when Newcastle were beaten 3-0 and he came out off the pitch afterwards and just thought... Newcastle were thoroughly outplayed there and really was concerned that to a certain degree was similar I don't think Newcastle were as bad as they were that day against Watford but Leicester were just miles ahead of them in every single department
1: Uh, Joss Lou, you can't say he missed a good chance because he didn't actually take the chance but one thing I want to ask you is his positional play he seems to be always out either on the flanks or dropping deep to get the ball Why is that? I mean, surely as a target man, he needs to be sticking centrally and and letting Perez or Diormi come forward with the ball. Because when he's winning the ball in deep positions and on the flank, there's no one to aim for.
2: Well, Rafa almost made this point himself in the press conference yesterday when we asked him about Hossolu. And he said that you have to remember the team is defending quite a lot. So Hossolu has to come deep and that means he's not always in the position... He needs to be. It seems that Rafa himself doesn't have a problem with that. That's what he wants from him. But in terms of creating opportunities for Newcastle, that's a serious problem at the moment. They don't have their striker in the box for a large portion of the time. I thought they looked a little bit more threatening by the time Muto came on. But even then, they didn't really create any clear-cut chances. So there was obviously that opportunity in the first half where uh, where Hosley was played through by Perez. And it just seemed to take an age and didn't actually do anything, didn't shoot. And that was really Newcastle's best opportunity in that first half, except the Army's header, which uh, went wide. And Newcastle just lack goals, that's a problem, and that's what you get for £5 million. That's what you get in terms of... Newcastle shouldn't be in a position where they only have this limited strike force to do, but that is the reality of the situation they're in. Mike Ashley, obviously, we know the lack of investment, that's to blame, but, but until January, Newcastle can't do anything about that, and they're going to have to find a way to start scoring goals because at the moment they just look toothless.
1: Just a couple more questions. Um, When Matt Ritchie came off, there were there were boos from all around the ground. I'm not saying it was everyone in the ground, obviously, but it was the for the first time that I've heard. It it was a different kind of reaction to one of Rafa Benitez' decisions that I don't think we've seen, well, in a very long time.
2: No, I think some people do forget that during the nine-game winless run last year, there was there were quite a few fans who were vocal about in their disapproval of what Rafa was doing. I think that's been forgotten about a little bit because of how well they did during the second half of last season. But given the fact that the seven games into this season haven't won, that's just league games, there's an eighth game in the, the League Cup as well, Benitez's decisions will be questioned. Matt Ritchie seemed to me to have been one of the best players in that first hour, 65 minutes, however long he was on the pitch. And seemingly fans agreed and they didn't like the fact that Richie had been taken off. But even Richie himself seemed to question it. And I think that he said to Benitez, I'm not 100% sure, but I think he just said to Benitez, why, what did I do, why me um, at that point? Because he always seems to be taken off. And yes, fans are starting to question this, and that's only natural given Newcastle's form. And Benitez himself will know that he's made mistakes. I'm not necessarily saying taking Richie off today was a mistake, but he'll know he's made mistakes in the last few weeks and he himself needs to find a way for Newcastle to win because it's not just uh, the club that's just stake here, it's also Rafa Benitez's reputation which is one of the reasons why he has been so frustrated by the lack of investment because he feels he's been put into a position whereby his own legacy at
1: this football club and before is being put at risk and a final question on Mike Ashley in the stands there for the first time in 16 months at St James's Park We now we've been critical of him not turning up at games he started to turn up a games but is this the right time for him to be showing his face? We,
2: If we ask him that he should be at games more often, I don't think we can have a go when he suddenly does turn up. If it turns out that he doesn't come to any games after this, to a certain extent, some people may say, well, I can't really blame him because he's getting a lot of uh, abuse from the crowd, which I understand, and nobody's saying that the crowd shouldn't be because of the way that he's in the football club. But it's like I always say about Magashi, he needs to speak more, but when he does speak, he gets criticised for what he says. The same with Lee We can't have it both ways. Yes, it is, the timing isn't great, but Mike Ashley needs to be interested in this football club, he needs to be connected to what's going on, because he is the owner, he's the one who can have the biggest impact in terms of what might happen in January and what could happen in the future with Rafa Biddy his contract, so I just think the fact that he is here in theory is good news, but it needs to be a Mike Ashley who's becoming interested in
1: the football club again, rather than just a fleeting couple of visits. And finally, Peter Kenyon, what's your view, your opinion on that, obviously Rumours that he's he's going to put together a take over a bit of Newcastle United. Your thoughts? Well, I
2: think there are interested parties in Newcastle, there has been over the course of the last year. But the proof really is is when if and when a proper offer comes. Reports say that he's had preliminary talks with Mike Ashley. I don't know if that's true or not, but what I do know is that, that he there is an interest there from him. He would like to to be involved in a takeover of Newcastle United. But Basically he himself would say that he hasn't got the money himself to do that, he needs further investment. So I think we're at the very early stages of that. Whether it comes to anything material and a material bid, only time will tell. And at the moment I wouldn't get overly excited about it. Shows that there is still interest out there though, which is a positive to a certain extent. But until he really puts in a firm offer for Newcastle United, I think all of this has to be there has to be a little caution put on this.
1: Grand. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we'll have a, a weekly podcast on Monday. Sean McCormick will be taking my place as I'm off. So if you have any questions for Chris and Lee, you send them over to Twitter or on our Facebook and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Hi, it's Finn Dwarf from the Irish History Podcast and this is a Staycast from ACAST. Please, please, please follow the government's advice right now which is currently to stay at home where possible. While you're staying at home I would recommend another great show that's worth checking out. It's Unexplained by Richard McLean Smith. It's a beautifully produced and gripping show that looks at unusual and sometimes unnerving occurrences from the past and present. It's perfect escapism. Check out
0: Unexplained on the Acast app or wherever you get podcasts.